You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, welcome to another fun episode, a discussion you're not going to want to miss of Ask Drone You. My name is Paul. My name's Rob, and I am super excited about this question because it's a detailed question, very nuanced question, and our question asker has a fantastic accent that I wish I could do every day. I suppose I could try, but that would be kind of embarrassing because I'd fail. But anyways, thank you for listening. Thank you for sending in your questions at askdroneu.com. Thank you for liking whenever po- Nothing. I'm just thinking. I'm just over here lost in thought. I'm not- <laughs> No, no, no. You're going... <sighs> oh, I'm trying to let it out, letting it out, letting, letting the uh, frustration out, letting it out. All right. While Paul's letting it out, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to carry on. Good. That's what we need. <laughs> Even though it's a little late for that. Yeah. And I do also want to say that if you're watching on YouTube, we would really appreciate it if you would subscribe. And I guess hit the notification thing. I think that's what everybody says. And so I guess I just thought I'd say that. But we do appreciate the subscriptions. It means an awful lot to what we're trying to do here, trying to get the word out to more people and continue to move this industry forward. So thank you very much in advance. Yes, thank you. Thank you again also for those questions. Bring them in, askdroneu.com. I know there's going to be a lot of questions also concerning the new release of the DJI FPV drone. Uh, My phone has been blowing up off the hook this morning, and a lot of us veterans are kind of thinking the same thing, uh, which... Uh, if anything, I want one. Uh, I'm not talking about what we're thinking. Um, that said, uh, it makes one. me makes me feel at ease. I do want one. I mean, there's there is that, but it's that's not cool. that's not what we're talking about. No, okay, okay. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but I will say, you know, we wrote some articles about how FPV might change, and and this is not the topic of the show today. It's just kind of a quick switch track. Um, but how the DJI FPV drone may change the environment of flight and may have a big macro impact impact on the um, on the industry as a whole that in my opinion has been proven true and we're going to talk about that in another show it's not going to be today's show I want to get my feet under me before I start talking about FPV because there's a lot of exciting things about it and there's a lot of super worrisome things that we're seeing and uh, in an effort to try to do my best job at how meaning how I say things and how I go about them I'm trying to kind of recenter myself and I know a couple of my other friends are doing that today as well. Uh, Trent, I feel you, buddy. Because <laughs> um, uh, there's a lot of noise out there right now. And uh, it's interesting, you know, to see a drone drop with so much, um, I think fervor is the right word, but I don't mean positive fervor. Hmm. I mean like, really? oh, oh, this drone stirred the pot more than any other drone I've ever seen in the history of drones. Wow, that's saying a lot. Uh huh. Yeah. So that means you know, Skydio stirring the pot is now like a drop in the bucket. Sorry, buddy, but it is. Whether you're worth a billion or not, you're still not control the drone. Anyway, so (laughs) that said, uh, we've got actually a really fire question today, and I think that this is an incredibly good thing to talk about. And I just want to say, first of all, sorry I didn't include good eye in my uh, my intro because I feel like I'm not uh, helping out the question askers accent. That said, this is an extremely important thing to think about because if you're doing uh, mapping missions and you do you did something and you're you're jumping into mapping without really really going into detail about what's possible and what is not 
um, you can very quickly end up in a legal liability situation, in a situation that has much more grave consequences than anything the drone industry or the FAA could throw at you as a civil fine. There are some very important things to think about here. Um, and as uh, as this year accelerates, and I've been getting more and more drone job requests, I'm being really, 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 really particular about which drone jobs I'm taking. And I think Rob is watching me struggle through that because I'm like, Rob, he called me again. Like, you know, like, I'm so well, melodramatic. He's, he's crossed over into stalker territory. <laughs> uh, anyway, which brings me back into, you know, just being a lot more... Um, uh, selective with the clients that we take on. One of the jobs that I did this week was actually just some drone video for a legal team. And it really made me think about all the possibility for drone jobs, not just drone mapping, but also how when we start to pay attention to things on the ground from the sky, so much can be revealed. That so wasn't much. even a mapping job, right? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. But I think it's just kind of a good segue to talk about this question is really yeah. kind of talking about legal liability with mapping, which is really important to discuss with all of you. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just bring up this other job because it was legal as well, but it was just drone video. And um, I, I bring it up for several reasons. One, it's always interesting to see new uses of drones. Two, this was a perfect instance where mapping could have been used. Mm. And I even wanted them to use it. And I explained all the accident reconstruction that we do and, and, and all this. That said, I just think that um, we have to be very cognizant of the jobs that we take on. And it's just so important to ensure that the workflow that we follow is systematic. Because if you're kind of all over the place in workflow and you don't really have systems... One, the first time that you could be called to court could really make you question all that. And I say that, and I also bring up this other job because this was one of the first jobs, not one of the first, this was one of many first that the client just outright before I took on the job was just like, just want you to know, um, you could be called into, I forget, I think it's it's not federal court, it's local court. Um, you could be called in the court as a witness for this. Uh, are you okay with doing that? Are you comfortable? Do you have all the light, the right licensing? Like we're not going to catch you in a bind kind of thing, which I appreciate the client doing that. And I was like, yes, I have my part 107 certificate. It's up to date. I've got my insurance. Here's a cert. And mm -hmm. uh, I actually have trained certain individuals, uh, this, go check this, 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 this. And you can kind of get an idea of what I do. I said, but I think with what you're after here in this particular drone job, which is all about an intersection, that mapping would have been so much better. And yet they didn't want mapping. Um, and I bring that up because sometimes mapping isn't always a solution, but we should actually get into the question because it's a very good question about the legal ramifications. Um, and the one point we cannot forget to hit, Rob, is how legal ramifications can be astronomically uh, more dangerous when the workflow and mapping is not followed and human error is exacerbated. All right, anyway, all right, lots of preface into this question, so sorry about that. That said, uh, let's get into this question. G'day, Trav from Melbourne, Australia, and I've got a mapping question for you from a law enforcement perspective. The following question assumes that the data collection is A-grade, because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So GSD is calculated using a known formula based on sensor parameters and flight height. And we know that photogrammetry, orthomosaic quality can be affected by the voodoo settings found in various applications during the data processing. 
So can you tell me, is there a difference in accuracy between the different applications available to process this data? The big ones, Strain Deploy, PIX4D, Bentley, even the free ODM all have their own unique algorithms to process the data. So is one more accurate than the other? And would you feel comfortable using any of these providers for matters that might be scrutinised in court? Thanks for your time. Thanks for your show. Keep up the great work. Cheers, boys. Cheers to you, Trav. Thank you for the question. Very much appreciate it. And uh, as with a lot of these shows, I'm going to turn it over to Paul. (laughs) No, because in all seriousness, um, it's a pretty uh, in-depth question. And it's got pretty serious ramifications as to... Um, how one approaches the answer and, and integrates it into actually doing drone work with mapping, right? I mean, it's it's pretty important stuff. You know, it is. It is, Rob. And I think there's a couple of caveats to get into uh, before we go right in, which is, you know, uh, laws and rules and regulations and court systems are very different from country to country, especially True. from the United States uh, to the outback. And um, that said... Um, I think it's also important to say that we are not lawyers, nor do we pretend to be them, just on phone calls that are recorded with government agencies. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> if you know, you know. Uh, anyway, that said, um, I think it's it's very important just to say, look, we're not lawyers here. It's so important to make sure that you look up laws yourself. One thing I have noticed, Rob, and this is important for veteran drone pilots, is that Uh, The way that I have seen uh, lawyers work with drone data is still very rudimentary. Um, We really don't have, uh, how do I say this, a significant history of court cases that are using mapping data. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, that's slowly changing, right? As we see more and more drone mapping cases hit case precedent and enter LexisNexis, so in essence, you definitely want to stay ahead of that curve at a minimum. Oh, for and sure. as far ahead as possible. Yeah, for sure. And I think people like Bill and the NTSB who are doing mapping missions like with Kobe Bryant and all that evidence is going into the federal register. I think this is setting a good precedent and it's in time going to probably help lawyers better understand how to use this data. But to your point, as drone pilots, we should stay ahead of it 100%. Now, that said, he asked a lot of questions, right? So we got to kind of hit this step by step. You know, he asked, what's the best mapping engine for the best overall accuracy? So that's Mm -hmm. number one. Before we hit that, though, I just want to say something that I think is absolutely crucial to understand. Because if you don't understand this part of the equation, the underlying question is erroneous as a whole. And here's what I mean, right? It's erroneous to think what's the most accurate mapping engine to use to get uh, the most bulletproof court findings, right? We know that answer and we're going to give it to you here in a second. But it's super dependent on the fact that whoever is processing said map knows the workflow, knows the rules of accuracy, ground sampling distance, but also understands how human error can absolutely ruin the entire accuracy as a whole. And this is something I'm running into with surveyor after surveyor after board of surveyors, okay, which is a fundamental lack of understanding of how photogrammetric processing works, how georeferencing it works, and how human error is exacerbated in this process, and how it doesn't matter if your certificate from ASPRS says 
You've got two control points and five GCPs. Phenomenal. We need to go further. We need these institutions who are supposedly the gold standard of mapping to actually set a standard, to set a standard with things like uh, projection error, which is a statistical numerical value for human error, for how we marked our photos. Now, when I say this particular issue uh, sets the precedent for the larger question of what mapping engine is the most accurate, it's so important to understand how if I look at a photo, Rob, at just regular, a regular photo on my computer, Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I mark a GCP from that photo. Okay. I fundamentally just decrease the accuracy of the map. Everyone listening is probably like, what? Wait a minute. What? Right. You missed the fundamental step. If I didn't zoom all the way in to pixel level and pick the center of the GCP in a circular format, as to not inject oblique error, uh, then I can add more error into the map. So I need to make sure that when I'm looking at the image, it's zoomed in all the way to pixel level. Why? Because the software equates, it uses that in the formula as a variable for the overall accuracy as a whole, right? So if we are not implementing the right workflow, it does not matter which engine we use. That said, if you don't understand the right and most accurate workflow and you select the wrong engine, it doesn't matter how good your workflow is because that workflow is not possible on that engine. And I say this, I say all of this not because of the question asker, which by the way, sounds extremely, he's asked a lot of questions. He, he sounds extremely well-versed in drone mapping, frankly. And he asked very good questions um, that showcase that he's really, you know, going down the rabbit hole. I'm not saying all this stuff for him who asked the question. I'm not. I'm not saying all this to you um, because I want to make you feel shitty. No, no, no. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that there, uh, there is a very real issue in the chasm between the drone industry and GIS. And that is that every, a lot of people, not everyone, can't say absolutes, a vast majority of people, and I was just talking to someone about this yesterday, a vast majority of those people are so focused on the finite technical things that they know in GIS. The accuracy of my RTK rover is one millimeter, thus my drone map accuracy is one millimeter. It's like, no, you clown. That's not how it works. Ground sampling distance is a clear formula that includes altitude, sensor size, and focal length, okay? It's not possible to get a one millimeter accuracy from a 20 megapixel photo. It's just not possible, like if you follow the rules. And so what I'm finding is that a lot of surveyors and GIS and board of surveyors don't understand this. They don't understand how processing can actually magnify the problems of these existing industries, hmm. and yet they ignore them. And I think it's actually extremely important to, uh, and we're going to have a guest uh, on the show soon talking about this next week, uh, Paul Spar. Um, Paul Spar, amazing individual, one of the most well-versed individuals that I know in drone mapping, was an executive at PIX4D. He worked at Intel, did drone mapping for the Olympics. Like, he's got a killer story. Um, 
and he and I were talking about this just yesterday, how standards need to change, that the standards out there for surveying and for GIS are frankly subpar. And they're fundamentally missing the very things that they're afraid of, of happening in washing out their industry. And I think we're going to have a great show on this upcoming. But that said, if our understanding of GSD is not right, if our workflow of marking GCPs is not right, or we're not capable of doing said workflow, then the accuracy question doesn't matter. Okay, so I just wanted to make sure that we kind of hit those points, because there are a couple of very real uh, issues at hand here, uh, Rob. Mm -hmm. And one of them is a lack of understanding. But this lack of understanding is hurting the people that are coming after drone pilots for doing said mapping services and questioning their legalities. Yet they, a lot of them don't have a real understanding of the very things that they're afraid of eroding their own industry. They're not attacking those things. They're attacking something totally different. Anyway, okay, off the high horse. Whew. Um, let's assume... Rightfully so. The question asker and everyone watching this show knows the right workflow of marking GCPs, acquiring GCPs, all the rules involved. There's a lot. Okay. There's a lot. Um, let's assume all of that is kosher, right? What is the most accurate uh, representation uh, for mapping to uh, answer questions in court? Mm -hmm. Okay. In our mapping class, I provide a white paper from a university, and I forget which one it is. Uh, I want to say it's Oxford, but pr provide a white paper that did an actual deep dive hmm. into the accuracies of these different processing engines. Now, this is 2016, so this is a while ago. And PIX4D uh, was, gosh, above and beyond everyone else by light years, statistically speaking, okay? A close second at the time was Metashape. Of course, in drone mapping years, that was about 60 years ago. That was about the time of uh, you, Rob, grandfather. Said. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Little dig. He's not that <laughs> old, okay? Honestly, he, he's not. Okay. But yes. You can still outrun him. It's actually anyway. It's, go emba ahead. it's embarrassing. It's not even. It shouldn't be. It's not even a competition, actually. So. <laughs> Anyways, anyway. okay. So, but that was a long time ago. Things have probably changed a lot. They have, and honestly, I haven't really looked into statistical analysis of the overall accuracy of photogrammetric engines in quite some time. That said, what I know of how drone mapping and processing works, what I do know is how most of the cloud-based solutions are incapable of giving you the most accurate maps to defend yourself in court. Things like not being able to blow up photos to 100% zoom where you can see every single pixel in that photo because the most accurate engines actually account for how much you've zoomed into the photos and marked said photos. And, and if this isn't really communicating, think of it like this. Okay, Rob, let's say, so Rob flips houses on the side, just in case you guys, for context, okay? Let's say that we're flipping this house, this studio here, Rob, and I want to measure the corner of that wall to the corner of that wall. And I am going to have Emily stand over there and hold that side of the tape, and then I'm gonna stand at the edge of the wall and hold that side of the tape, okay? Mm -hmm. Now this wall that we're talking about is behind the camera, it's about nine feet away from us, okay? Okay. Would you want to measure the length of that wall from sitting right here and looking at the tape measure? Not with my old eyes. Why? 
because it's too, I mean, I might as well get up close so I can get a more accurate down to the, say the 32nd or or the 16th. I could see it better. Yeah. Even an eighth, right? Or even an eighth. But from here, you can't discern whether it's an eighth or a 16th or even three eighths. Probably not. And that's the same exact reason why we zoom all the way in to our photos to mark GCPs. When you take a measurement, you look very closely, right, at the tape measure. You don't look at it from 10 feet away or 100 feet away or 400 feet away if you're flying 400 feet. You don't do that. Why? Because it doesn't give you accurate results. It's funny because it seems so obvious and yet it doesn't happen. And if you look at most of the cloud engines and how you mark GCPs in them, they give you like half the zoom and you're like, uh, so I cannot fundamentally be as accurate as some of these other engines that even let me zoom into all the photos. And, and I wanted to hit this point because I think the tape measure example helps people really understand why you've got to zoom all the way into photos to mark them for your GCPs. Sure. Because when you do that and you mark, say, eight or 10 images to get your GCP, right, the projection error, which the value should be below 0.6, frankly, um, is a representation of how you mark those images, right? Let's imagine that we have a grid of 30 images, right? And the GCP is right in the center of that grid. Do we want to mark photos from just one corner of that grid? No, because we're going to inject error into the map, right? And you can see that error. It's called ellipsoid error um, on, uh, what is it? on Pix4D. And you can see the ellipsoid error. And if it's essentially like leaning off to one side, it means that you picked photos from off to one side. You didn't try to mark that from a what I would call a nadir position as best as you could. And we in class, we always give the example of like, do you know how to change a tire? Most people, yes. Okay, think of changing a tire. We're going to mark one photo. Let's notate where that photo is in relation to the GCP. Okay, then let's look at our other photos. How can we, like the rim of our tire, ensure that where we just marked that our current mark will be as opposite as possible to that position. Why? Because at the end of the day, we're going to make a circle around the GCP with the images that we've marked. Why? To reduce ellipsoid error. Why? To reduce projection error. Why? To minimize human error in marking GCPs to increase overall RMS, excuse me, decrease overall RMS error. Does that make sense? And therefore increase accuracy and therefore it'll it'll work in court. Bingo. Yeah, sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. No, no, but no, no, I, no, it's great. I, I hope people are learning from this. I mean, my goodness, I'm sitting here. I'm, my head's spinning. I've heard it before. <laughs> so, um, to answer the question, my answer would be right based off of what I know in the workflow. Also, assuming that this court data is georeferenced, right? We haven't even talked about what if it's not georeferenced data? That's a whole new animal. Okay? But you're saying that it, it needs to be. Um, If we're making legal decisions on measurements whatsoever, then it seems to me, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Trav, he just wants to know what software to use. (laughs) Okay, let's answer the question. Based off of what we know, what is the most accurate point cloud constructor? And it's PIX4D. Okay, here's the other thing. What's the most accurate ortho mosaic generator? And it's, it's drone deploy. I mean, they have purchased photogrammetric engines. They have reworked them. They have used AI to make them better. I know they just got a new GCP marking tool. That's why I'm trying to really like not say specifically 
anything about drone deploy because I haven't tried their new GCP marking tool. Mm -hmm. And if it allows us to zoom all the way in, if it allows us to do what we need to do to fulfill the workflow, then it's absolutely a viable option. Yeah. But based off of what I know right now, and based off of my ability to explain that in the court of law, I would go with Pix4D desktop, desktop, not cloud. I wouldn't go with any cloud producer, frankly, because uh, why I just laid out everything that I said in this show is I don't believe I can actually go through the entire workflow as I need to in order to sit in that courtroom confidently and answer questions. Mm. That's my answer. But to be clear, you, if put in the position, would be comfortable assuming everything is in place, all the assumptions are taken care of, you would be okay using PIX4D in court. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to soon, by the way. <laughs> so, and, um, but, but I mean, like, I, I just think it's important to, to hit all these points because we're seeing a lot of projects go into court and we're seeing a lot of surveyors losing. Um, and we're seeing that because, you know, there are these assumptions that drone, a lot of drone pilots don't know what they're doing. And there is a lot of truth in that, right? There is. But also on the far end of the spectrum, if you don't fully understand the uh, UAV aspect of photogrammetry, you could be making your industry worse for itself, not better because of a lack of information. And that's kind of what I'm trying to hit at because, you know, we see boards of surveyors all the time going after drone pilots. But I have yet to run into any of these executives that can answer the question, how do I uh, reduce projection error and what's an accurate value of projection error that would be kosher with the surveying department to ensure overall RMS error? I haven't gotten an answer a single time. Not mm. a single time because they can't answer it. And it's just like, but hold on. You're worried about people encroaching on your industry, right? Yes. And you're worried about surveyors getting jobs stolen away from them by drone pilots, right? Yes. So then don't you think it's important to understand the overall workflow of photogrammetry, drone mapping, and how it could potentially affect what you're worried about? And the answer is always yes. Mm -hmm. And then so the next answer is, so why haven't you? Yeah. But you don't want to ask that question when you're being recorded. Sometimes you do. <laughs> it's quite the departure from what the industry is used to, right? So in some sense, it's not surprising. Yeah. Whenever I talk to a surveyor, just like kind of when I talked to, to you about this the other day, I always joke with surveyors because I want them to empathize with me. I'm like, do you remember the implementation of GPS in your industry and the hoopla it caused? Yeah, yeah. Here we are again. Okay. It's just a different tool. Mm -hmm. It's just a different tool. Now people don't have to get hurt in the process of ego, ram like ego ramming. Okay. No one wins. Honestly, we only win if we come together, uh, learn from each other and, you know, try to create a standard that actually makes sense to, uh, you know, modern technology, not, uh, are we interested in creating more efficient processes that are more effective in delivering what the client needs or not? You just hit the right? nail on the head, Rob. Okay, hold on. Let, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is like the bombshell. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, Rob. Okay, let's think about serving. Who does serving normally serve? The government, local, mm. municipalities. Construction companies, yeah. Mostly, yeah, but even if they're serving the construction company, they have to follow the rules of the county or True. the state as far as surveying, right? Would you say that a lot of government employees, and not everyone, right? We know a lot of government people who are all about pushing the envelope, and we're grateful for you, okay? But that said, would you say 
a lot of these government uh, municipalities and whatnot, especially that are very rural, do you actually think that they're incentivized to modernize mm. or create a more efficient means? Or do they just stay in their lane? This works. I know this works. This is all I want. Well, I'm glad you asked the question the way that you did, because I think that the answer, of course, is no, they're not incentivized. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I think as human beings, we need to be incentivized, generally speaking, as a whole, right? And uh, yeah, no. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) And look, I I speak from experience. And like you said, there's some phenomenal people working in the government sector. There are. We work with them. We've seen them. But I also know that I used to, in one of my past lives, work within the government sector in very large agencies. And we could always pick, and we had to pick the two, maybe three or four in a large group of people who we knew had the capacity to help us get done what we needed to get done. And everybody else, we just kind of mm-hmm. left alone, Yeah. which I, I felt bad for the ones that we picked out, <laughs> but they didn't. I mean, they wanted to be there helping. They wanted there. And maybe it comes down to, we're really going down uh, another rabbit trail on this um, in terms of like, almost like worker psyche. But uh, so maybe I'll stop right there. It's kind of important for entrepreneurs, just as a reminder of an, uh, incentivizing, right? Because as entrepreneurs, we're trying to become the most efficient that we can in order to take yeah. on more jobs so that we can scale, we can take on those jobs, but not take on more work. That means the definition of building a profit margin. Mm-hmm. And so when you are not, when you don't have skin in the game, you're not thinking like that. It's so, I mean. And it's human nature. And uh, yeah, yeah, we all decide what's best, what the best life for ourselves is, right? You know what else is human nature, Rob? Ending a show? No. Oh. Not changing things until a point of crisis. Mm, human that nature. That is human nature. So when something happens in the surveying world and it causes the friction to meet a uh, denouement, uh, for all of you, you know, language learners out there, they made fun of the word denouement on uh, Saturday Night Live, by the way. I thought that was amazing. Mm, um, I didn't see it. <laughs> um, but when we hit a climax, uh, of this situation where frictions and heads meet, I think that is when both sides will realize it's in both sides best interest to actually work together. But well, we're, we're going to have a show on that again. Uh, we're going to bring on, uh, someone, who I think is going to be really good in talking about this, Paul Spar. Uh, on Good and I know him very well. Actually, I would say On Good knows him much better than I than I do. Um, and uh, I would say that I have great respect for both of them. And I know On Good has great respect for Paul as well. That said, I think we're going to talk about some very important industry trends that we're seeing, especially in regards to drone mapping. And this show does directly correlate into that. Yeah. Because we're talking about... If you're going to court with your data, number one, you better have a system of your job, your workflow. Not only that, but you better understand why the system is the system. And beyond that, you better be able to understand, or not only understand, but explain to other people why you do it that way. Um, anyway, I wish we were just in court right now so I could like like mock court, right? So we could like teach people how... how, I was going to say, I don't want to be in court right now. No, I don't want to be in court ever again. Uh, (laughs) No, no, no. But that said, it would be fun to teach entrepreneurs how to prep for court. I was, I'm only saying this because I watched Billions last night and this is all that they were doing. So... (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, all right, on that bombshell, I'll That's stop funny. my rant. I'm That's sorry. Um, but thank you for the questions. Uh, to answer his question, based off of what I know right now, and this could have changed, um, it's my understanding that Pix40 is the most accurate point cloud generator that's out there. That said, geo-referencing those maps as well, while it's the most complicated workflow, it's also the most accurate because you can control all the variables. Um, that said, I would stay away from cloud processors, although I'm still adamant about trying Drone Deploy's new feature. And um, let's, you know, this entire, everything that we just talked about kind of gets flipped on its head when none of this data has to be geo-referenced, right? When we're talking about, you know, building 3D models to go mm -hmm. into court or, or doing video to go into court, right? Very yeah. simple. Right. So right, right, right. Hope we, hopefully we answered your question. Thank you for your question, by the way. I appreciate it. Rob's like, shut up, Paul. Let's go. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no, I'm not. I'm not. But it is time. That's going to do it for us. <laughs> We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.